0: You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. So if you guys would, open up to Acts chapter 16, and as you're doing that, I want to kind of just recap a little bit about what, if you missed last Sunday, we had um, the guys from Hope for laganov they were here, and they were talking about their uh, ministry down there in Haiti. Hey, Nate, can you pull me down just a hair on the blue? Getting a little bit of echo up here. There we go. Thank you. Um, they were talking about their ministry that, that this church supports down in Haiti. And what Tom did was he had a conversation with uh, the two bins that were He was flanked by bins, Um last Sunday and what he talked about was he covered the first part of chapter 16 of Acts and then the last part of chapter 15 and really what this is, let me just kind of summarize it real quickly, is there was a division that happened between Paul and Barnabas and it was over John Mark. John Mark is uh, the one who accompanied Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey but he quit. He deserted them in the middle of their ministry. So when it comes time to kind of reset and go out on the second missionary journey, they have a fight, a argument, I should say they were sharply divided over whether or not John Mark should come. Paul kind of looks, if you want to look at it this way, looks like the bad guy because he doesn't want to give John Mark a second chance. But what he does is he says, okay, you know, there's plenty of work to go around. I'm gonna go this way. And then Barnabas and his cousin, John Mark, are gonna go this way. We don't hear much from them afterwards. But what Paul does is he gets kind of a new cast of characters to join him on the second missionary journey where they go to Macedonia. And what Paul, uh, Paul, you're not Paul, you're Tom. What Tom talked about last week was how the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision with this essentially a dream, this this vision that he got of a man from Macedonia saying, hey, come this way. So the Lord spoke to Paul and said, I want you to go here. Now that's important because of what we're gonna look at today. It's important to keep in mind that this is the will of the Lord. The Lord is saying, here's where I want you to go. So Paul, The new cast is uh, Silas, Timothy, but also something interesting happens. In chapter 16, it goes from the, the narrative of, they went to this place, they went here, they went, they went, they went to, we went, we went, we did this, who is the we? Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts is an eyewitness from this point forward. So we know that Luke was a physician by trade. That was kind of what he, that was his calling right there. But he was also a reporter. He was a journalist. He was an eyewitness. He was an interviewer because he talked to a lot of people in compiling this. But here in Acts chapter 16, it says, we went. So he's an eyewitness. He's sitting there on the boat as they travel talking to these guys, getting all of this information, and then later, under divine inspiration, writes it down. So Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and there were other guys as well, but that is who starts out the second missionary journey. And where they go is Macedonia. If we wonder where that is on a modern map, it's the eastern, northeastern part of Greece where Greece meets Turkey. That's kind of the area where they're going to. Again, this is where the Lord wanted them to go. And Paul was obedient and said, yes, Lord. So where they do, where they go, is they end up in a town called Philippi. This is different from Caesarea Philippi that we hear about when Jesus took the the disciples there and said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. This is a different location. That was Caesarea Philippi. This is just Philippi. The name of this book is, or this letter, is the Acts of the Apostles. We shorten it to Acts. But what we're going to see today is we're going to see, yes, the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Lord himself through the hands of of the apostles. So today, our message is what the Lord did in Philippi. Now there are humans who have to kind of do this, but really it is, this is what the Lord is accomplishing. And so we're gonna look at four things that the Lord did in Philippi. And number one is he opened the heart of Lydia to hear his message. So let's go ahead and pull up Acts chapter 16 and we're gonna look in verse 13 acts 1613 says on the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there one of them was Lydia from Thyatira a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God and she As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us us until we agreed. Now, here we are in Philippi. You have this... Band of brothers, you have Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy, and then some others going down. They are looking for a prayer meeting. They're like looking down by the river. Okay, let's find some people. Let's go pray with them. He was not preaching in a synagogue. He was not evangelizing out on the street. He went to where other people would be. He thought he was going to a prayer meeting. And there was Lydia. Lydia. Lydia, it says, that she worshipped God. Verse 14, she was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. Now, it's important for us to understand that she was a God sympathizer. Let's, Let's call it that. She believed that there was a God, but she didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ until Paul presented it to her. So she had the right idea. She knew that there was a cosmic creator. She knew, you know, was she Jewish? We don't know. Was she, you know, pagan? Uh, I don't think so. She worshiped God, but she didn't know the gospel until Paul showed up. But what happened is the Lord, look at verse uh, f- 14 again, who worshipped God as she listened to us so she did her part she was searching she was listening to what these men were saying the lord opened her heart and she accepted what paul was saying paul did his part of evangelizing again he was going he was ready to getting his hands warmed up ready to pray like where's where are my prayer people at is what he was saying probably but he gets there And there's some women there. She worshiped God, but she didn't know the gospel. So Paul comes there. He was ready in season and out of season. Again, this Paul, this apostle, this guy with apostolic authority went and he recognized what was going on. But he straightforward preached the gospel. The Lord opened her heart to it. He opened her heart to the truth. But what's interesting, and this kind of jumped out at me, is once she was truly saved, it says that she was baptized, her and her household, she asked all of these men, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, all of these people, I want you to come be a guest in my home. The love of Christ now is filling me up. I want to show you hospitality. The transformation we see right there is... Is pretty apparent but also she was a very wealthy woman so she may have uh, had a really really big house because she was when it says a merchant of expensive purple cloth she had a little bit of money was she a widower we don't know was she this what you see up on the screen that's all we know about Lydia but we know that the Lord opened her heart and taught her truth So that's the first point, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Number two, the second thing the Lord did was he demonstrated his authority over the demonic. And it may not be what you're thinking about. So let's continue in verse number 16. It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul in the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it instantly left her. There is a lot that we can go into with this, but I want to give you the cliff notes of the cliff notes on what's happening here. You have an authentic, real demon possessing this slave girl. The reason we call her a slave girl is she was literally a slave to these men. She was there to do their bidding and they were making money off of her. There is a Like I said, a literal demon, when you look it up in the Greek, it is a python spirit. Does anybody know what a python does? Does it swallow things whole? Nope. It wraps up, and it'll squeeze out whatever it is. Now, you have to kind of be a bit of a nerd to dive into this, but I'm going to give you the, the short version. There in Greece, today, you can go to the Oracle at Delphi. This is where supposedly the Greek god Apollo killed this python animal, this this beast, who lived in the underworld. When Apollo killed it, the ability to predict the future lived on through this demonic spirit. This is not a metaphorical, this is a demonic spirit. This slave girl what she was doing is she would tom or karen could come up to this slave girl give her 20 bucks and she would tell the future under demonic influence this is what was happening here in philippi which is far away from the oracle at delphi but this girl had this demonic spirit she was a slave to these men who profited off of her they would they were the ones counting the money as Tom and Karen came up and okay did you get your future okay yep that's what these guys were doing they had her in bondage but they were exploiting this poor girl but what happens is in verse 17 she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting these men are the servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved the little girl wasn't saying this. The demon was saying this in her. This is not the first time that something like this has happened. I don't have a slide for it, but let me read to you Luke 4, 33 and 34. This is when Jesus went into the synagogue. Watch this. Watch how the demon recognizes Christ. Luke 4, 33. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That is the demon talking, not the person. The demon, when it possesses someone, it takes over their mouth, their they foment, they, all of that kind of stuff. Demons are smart. They know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus's true representatives are. Who are they? Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and the rest. This demon possessed girl, but this demon inside of her says, "These men are the servants of the most high God. AKA, these guys are the real deal. They are coming to tell you how to be saved." That's pretty good advertising, despite who it's coming from, right? These guys are the real deal. You want to learn how to be saved? Talk to these guys. But Paul became annoyed with her. Shoe fly, shoe fly. Getting annoyed with her. What he did was he used his apostolic authority to exercise that demon. Why did he do that? Was he trying to prove a point to everybody else that I am the real deal? No. The demon, again, through the little girl, was speaking the truth. The truth that these guys are the servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Paul didn't want a servant of Satan to advertise for him. God can do his own advertising, right? Here's the other thing. People believed this girl. She was demon possessed she could tell your future you gotta wanna take a winning lottery ticket to her just fill it out is that okay yeah let's go win the lottery she was right a lot of times because it is a demonic power people also paid a lot of money for the truth the truth from this girl she would give prophecies and she was right i don't know hundred percent of the time but she was right a lot of the time Because the two guys that had her in their, uh, as, as a slave, what is it? Bondage? Yeah. Yeah. They knew that they could make a lot of money from her. But again, our point is the Lord exercised his authority over the demonic. Now, not through the hands of Paul, but the fact that when. The demon recognized the true God when the demon saw it. God is the true God. We know that. This demon even knew that. So the demon recognized, okay, these guys are the real deal, servants of the Most High God. That is how God showed his authority. He actually used Paul to cast that demon out of her. And that leads us into the next point. So the first point was the Lord opened Lydia's heart. The second point is the Lord demonstrated his power over the demonic. The third point that we wanna look at today is the Lord allowed for joy in the worst of circumstances. So you have Paul using his apostolic authority which a lot of people read that today, they're like, ooh, do you see what Paul just did? I cast you out in the name of Jesus. They think that they can then go and do that. Are you an apostle? Nope, I'm not either. So Paul goes and uses his from the Lord himself power and authority to cast this demon out. These guys who owned her, who were her slave owners, they're like, oh, no, how am I going to eat now? She's no longer possessed by a demon. How can I tell people's fortunes? I can't do it anymore. I'm mad. What am I going to do? Go get those guys. So what they did, verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, So they grab Paul and Silas. It doesn't say Timothy. It doesn't say Luke or the other guys. They grab Paul and Silas, drag them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Verse 22 A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer took them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. How they dealt with this slave girl is what led to this right here. Now, we're going to get to more of this here in in just a little bit. But both Paul and Silas had Roman citizenship. So, these guys who stripped them and beat them were unjustified in doing that. Because you're not supposed to do that to the Roman citizens. If you are Rome, they're in a Roman province. So, but more on that here in just a, a little bit. But under Roman law, they didn't know that that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, so they dished out the the punishment that they deserve for taking these guys' slave girl process away. So what happens is they were severely beaten, and I I don't think that we can do enough justice to that that we're like oh yeah he got a couple swats no severely beaten and, and you'll see here in, in just a little bit they were severely beaten they were shackled they were they had wounds on their backs yet and I want you guys to listen to me when I say this despite having bloody backs broken spirit Pain, ooh, ah, ooh, that kind of thing. What did they do? Despite that, what did they do? They prayed, they sang hymns to God. Now, it took me a second to really kind of understand the the weight of that. Because in James chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not when I'm beaten. That hurts when they hit you, when they rip your clothes off and hit you with these sticks. It hurts. But the point that I made earlier and the one that, that Tom hinted at last week, this was the Lord's will for them to go to Macedonia, meaning this had to happen according to God's plan. This was God's will that they went, that they were obedient, that they went to Macedonia, that they go to Philippi, that they go and talk to Lydia. And then, Lydia, you go over here and you find this slave girl. You do exactly what I tell you to do and you end up getting beaten? My, black, my back is, is bloody because of these swats that they gave me. How is this... God's will. God's supposed to be, you know, only good things. No. God is not only good, good things to us. He is good. But this had to happen. This is where the Holy Spirit led Paul and Silas. So their attitude, praying and singing hymns to God, enough to where the other prisoners were listening. I don't know if they were toe-tapping or whatever they were doing, but they were hearing this from these guys who were bloodied. They could have easily looked at the circumstances and let it get the better of them. Said, oh, well, I guess we can't go out and preach in the synagogues or by the riverbank anymore. I guess we're, I guess our ministry is done. Let's just hope they bring us some bread and water. I want this to be an encouragement to you. You who's here today, you who is online, If you are in a season when things might look bleak and it doesn't seem like this is what the Lord wants you to do, I want you to remember Paul and Silas. After being obedient, they still got beaten. They still got thrown in prison, and it looks like the absolute worst is happening to them. We talked about this verse at at Small Group on Friday night. Galatians 6 9, so let us not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That verse jumped to the forefront of my mind when I was reading this account. And I want this to be an encouragement to you. Don't grow weary in doing good. So, Quick recap, our first point, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Number two, he demonstrated his power over the demonic. Number three, he allowed for joy in the worst of circumstances. And our fourth point here tonight is the Lord saved the jailer here in Philippi. So let's look at at verse 26. This is while Paul and Silas are there in shackles in chains, in the inner dungeon, praying and singing hymns to God. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, real quick, does this sound familiar to anybody? Remember Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison? The doors, an angel kicked the doors open, and he escaped from prison. That's Very similar to this. So you have this earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Verse 27, the jailer woke up. Okay, sleeping on the job. Got it. Woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and uh, ran and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought him out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's go ahead and pause right there, and then we'll, we'll come back to this. So here we have this miracle happening. I'm not an expert, but I would assume most prisoners... They don't want to be in prison, so the first opportunity, if your shackles fell off, what would you, your first instinct would be, hightail it out of there, right? That would be mine. But it's not about us. It is about the Lord working, using Paul and Silas and these other men to accomplish his goal. The Lord has a plan set in place for all of this to happen. This jailer needed a sign, a miracle in order to believe. Now, what what makes me say that? He heard the praise and worship from Paul and Silas, as did the other prisoners before this miracle happened, this earthquake. He heard their praise, but didn't respond. He knew that these guys were legit. He knew it. But this demonstration of the Lord's power, this earthquake, the doors flinging open and chains falling off of people, got his attention. Enough to where he came to Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? In other words, you guys have the answer that I am spiritually seeking out right now. I'm asking you, what must I do to be saved? Now, was there this magic formula? You say this many recited prayers. You do the sinner's prayer. You do this. You have to confess all of your sins before. No. What did he say? Let's look at verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in Jesus. It's not about the work of Paul, the work of Silas, or anyone. It is belief in the Lord Jesus. Believe. Now, we also reference Romans 10, 9, and 10 a lot. That is, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. It's the same kind of thing. There is no magic formula to it. It is this simple. Believe In the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Verse 32, And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized He brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. That is such an awesome account of what happened but I want you to be reminded of this one thing. This guy almost killed himself when he thought the prisoners were gone. The Romans... This is a Roman prison in a Roman colony. If they knew that this dude, number one, sleeping on the job, let's not overlook that. Sleeping on the job could have been big trouble. But when he thought that all of the prisoners had escaped, he was going to kill himself rather than be executed by the Romans who were, unfortunately, very good at torturing people. Yet. Yet, watch this, and this is something that just, it jumped off the page. It's like, why have I never noticed this before? Paul and Silas were prisoners. They were criminals. Yet, what was this jailer's response to them when he said, what must I do to be saved? And then they told him, what was his response? Come with me. Let's get those shackles off of you. Let's go to my house. So, he was going to kill himself when the Romans were going to get him. Now he's like, I don't, I don't care what they think. These guys are my brothers in Christ. I want them to come and preach to my family. Not only that, what did he do? The joy of the Lord overrode his desire to do his job, which was a prison guard. What did he do? He washed their wounds. He heard them share Christ. He, he was baptized, even cooked them a meal. Again, with these criminals. The Romans considered Paul and Silas criminals. He said, despite that joy because you are my brothers in Christ, here's how I'm gonna treat you. The Lord saved this jailer in Philippi. He did it through the working of Paul and Silas. They saw awesome results. Because they were obedient to where the Lord was leading them, and they trusted that this was what the Lord wanted. And I pray that for us today. When we look and see what the Lord did here in Philippi, joy joy, despite dire circumstances. We see obedience. We see the Lord is the one who saves, and we see that he has a plan set in place, The trick now is to get our will to align with his will. In other words, our thinking to get behind his plan. We don't make things happen. We follow his plan. Our God is sovereign. That he has a will and a plan that we are a part of. Again, our job is to trust in his plan, not our own. Because we need to trust his results, not ours. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that shows us here the ministry in Philippi. We see what you are able to accomplish by using people, places, and things. You use those to accomplish your ultimate goal, which is salvation for each and every person. Father, we thank you for the example that you gave us here in Scripture, and Father, I just ask that you help us to look at this as believers, that we can look and see that this is an example of what it is that you have done. And Father, our prayer is that you use us to accomplish your goal, your plan, your salvation for others. Father, we ask that you use us. We want to be a willing vessel, through which you can work. And Father, we don't want to do things of our own agenda, but Father, we want to do things that bring glory to you. And Father, we just say thank you for this, this precious gift of salvation that you have blessed us with. Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, if there's someone here today or someone who is watching online right now who has never experienced salvation, that maybe they are like Lydia, They like God, they believe in God, but they have never given their lives to Christ. They have never surrendered their will to yours, that they have never heard the gospel. Lord, I just ask that you use us to help lead them into that salvation. It is simple when we look at the Philippian jailer. It is believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is resurrected right now. And Father, we just ask again for your blessings as we leave here today, that we go and do your will, not our will. And we just ask that you use us to accomplish that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask this, and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.